Okay, what's the summary, Pete? What summary is that, John? Pete here is plain coy, but he knows. The Global Restoration Watchdog knows what summary we're asking for. Enter an audio-visual experience like no other. Underground rap at its realist. Of the uh, 76th RIA convention in Reno, Nevada, the Vegas of Northern Nevada. Yeah. yeah well, it's the uh, the biggest little city in the world is their tagline. Uh, we uh, changed uh, it. Reno. We changed it. Yeah. <laughs> Helping you shorten your dang learning curve. That's right, listeners. We just returned from the Restoration Industry Association. Got my hat on. New one from Pete. Um, 76th Annual Convention and Expo. You may be asking, what's the difference between a convention and expo? Let's let the RIA Volunteer of the Year explain that. And I think the difference being whether or not you have a trade show floor. And since we do both education and credits where people can like earn continuing ed credits because of the education piece and have the the trade show floor with our vendors there, we're both. I don't know if that's official. Don't quote me on that. I I just made that up. (laughs) If you don't recognize that voice, that's Kelly Dolan. Her and her team behind the scenes, her team of volunteers are the ones that coordinate, plan, and put everything together and you know the minute the thing shuts down they're back to planning the next one which i believe next year will be back in orlando home of the dojo nation available on youtube apple and Spotify. i'm gonna introduce you to reintroduce the audience to a friend of mine gordy powell out of georgia he specializes in bio uh cleanup and uh, he's going to talk a little bit about what he got out of this year's event. Overall, it's just a, a grand experience. Yeah. The connections that are made. Yeah. Um, the, the more importantly, the relationships that developed yeah. from last year that advanced to this year. But the big takeaway is just the experience of what it brings to you as a business owner. Yeah. There's um, the educational aspect. Um, there's always a new tweak that the vendors yeah. are bringing in to where you think you cut off with everything. Yeah. But there's something new coming down the pike. Yeah. All right, damn it, I'm in. (laughs) I couldn't do it without you. That's right. You are at The Diojo Podcast. This is infotainment. We aim to entertain while we inform you uh, and help you shorten your dang learning curve wherever you are at in your entrepreneurial journey, your career development journey. Uh, We are sponsored by the Restoration Industry Association, the RIA. We just wrapped up the uh, 2020 Convention and Expo, which is going to be, you know, the theme of today's episode, recapping some of the event and some of what RIA is doing and other people are uh, feel like they gain by being a part of the organization next year. RAA 2023 will be in April in Orlando. Um, you can stay up to date, restorationindustry.org. Office Services by Brandy provides unparalleled, unparalleled personalized bookkeeping services to a broad range of clients in many states. Um, Restoration Technical Institute, who we are partnering with to create a curriculum around some 
or a, a course of sorts. Better claims outcomes the dojo through better mindset and habits for estimating insurance claims around the principles in my first book be intentional estimating and the forthcoming book how not to suck at estimating which is also the working title for the course um, but they are providing world-class training designed for those who serve the restoration cleaning and industries related to the built environment and then the iicrc the Institute of Cleaning and Restoration Certification is a professional certification and standard development nonprofit organization for the inspection, cleaning, and restoration industries. Um, and so thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Please support our sponsors and let them know you heard about them on the Diojo Podcast. What would you say you do here? here. The Diojo Podcast. Podcast. My own personal story, I believe the first and last time for a long time that I went to a Restoration Industry Association event, I want to say is maybe 2005. Um, I was on, most recently, the Ironclad Restoration Marketing Podcast, uh, the Restoration Rundown, talking a little bit about my history. If you have any interest, we had a really good, fun, candid conversation but I started in 2002 as a restorer, um, never intending to, you know, even aware of what this industry was. And by reading trade publications, magazines, um, I really liked the, the Connections magazine put out by the IAQA back in the day. And started hearing about the Restoration Industry Association as well as the IICRC. And... Um, <clears throat> At that time, you know, we went to a convention in 2005. I don't remember it leaving that much of an impression or something where uh, myself or my manager felt like we got a lot of value out of attending, taking time away from work. And um, so I hadn't really given it a whole lot of note. You know, mid-late 2019, became aware of what was happening with the um, AGA, the Advocacy and Government Affairs Committee. The RIA seeks a unified voice for the restoration contractor. Do you recognize that voice? Maybe it takes a minute to register, but we're traveling back in time to early 2020 to a conversation we had with Ed Cross, the restoration lawyer. And what I experienced and what many people experienced is that the industry was very fragmented. Um, yeah. Everybody was facing a similar set of problems, but they were approaching them in different ways. And the uh, other stakeholders were sometimes dividing and conquering. And the classic example is when an adjuster or a third-party building consultant uh, shows up on a job or looks at an invoice and tells the contractor, you know what, your competitor down the street is not charging for this. Your competitor down yeah. the street is not doing it this way. Nobody else does it this way, right? Never, never had that used against you, right? <laughs> This is one of the tangible, one of many tangible benefits that restorers are going to get uh, from the, uh, the AGA, which is position papers. There's no need yeah. for you to reinvent the wheel every time uh, you get hit with some sort of argument or some sort of challenge uh, from an adjuster yeah. or a third-party consultant. What we're doing is we're formulating the arguments 
that you can use, that you can present, is going to be ready for you. And you yeah. can copy and paste this into emails, and you can use this stuff um, to help make sure that the, that the playing field is, is really leveled for restoration yeah. contractors, both legally and financially. Ed Cross here was uh, episode number three. This is before it was officially titled the Diojo Podcast. It was three questions with a pro. And um, we reached out to Ed to talk about legal considerations for COVID-19 cleanup. Uh, we were talking about contracts and, and those kinds of things. If you watch the video um, or read the article from R&R here, Restoration and Remediation Magazine, it's called A History of Collaboration and a Future of Advocacy. Um, and the video on our Diojo YouTube is called The Origin Story of the Restoration Lawyer. So we had a pretty in-depth conversation, um, and some Ed revealed some fun things. If you've ever spent some time with him, he's, he's definitely a character, very vibrant, um, and, and definitely the kind of person you want in your corner uh, when you're going up the, against the big dogs, right, if you believe you have a legitimate case. So... Ed is a gift to this industry. I'm talking to Ed, the parallels in his trajectory and history with the industry um, coincided with the uh, trajectory and history of the Restoration Industry Association, as well as the developments in the IICRC with uh, standards and training and those kinds of things. Um, and so in researching and preparing for that, um, that brought me across people from restoration history. I personally have an interest in restoration history. We've started uh, uh, propertyrestorationhistory.com. Pete Consigli, the global restoration watchdog, is our technical advisor. And, and thankfully, people have been contributing um, you know, input and making me aware when there's uh, a podcast or an article that comes out um, and touches on history. You know, going from local carpet cleaning a lot of our industry comes out of carpet cleaning local carpet cleaning associations you know meeting in the city uh, state local level um, and then becoming regional groups and then a national group well there's one unfortunately there is one acronym AIDS the Association of Interior Decor Specialists uh, Jim Thompson who just recently released his book My Life is One Disaster After an Another? Is it one disaster? Yeah. My life is one disaster after another. Here's a copy, my signed copy from uh, the event. Um, but he talks about when it was called AIDS and how that became. It wasn't initially a problematic acronym, but became one. So let's stop for a minute and hear his part of that story. I think 81 or 82, I went to Vegas to the AIDS convention. Say <laughs> so what? And that's where I met Cliff and Lloyd, the Association of Interior Decor Specialists, National Institute of Fire Restoration. And on Caesar's marquee, it said, welcome AIDS members. Say what? <laughs> and I was a certified carpet inspector by Marty King himself. So I had a yellow ribbon on my tag. It said AIDS in big letters, type name, and then certified AIDS inspector. <laughs> <laughs> And here we've got Welcome AIDS members with big AIDS banners on. And I've got a Lloyd Weaver Blue Moisture Pro. Oh, man. And we've got Certified AIDS Inspector. We had a blast. We honest to God had a blast. A bunch of us guys, you know, younger in those days. And people were pointing across the crap tables going, we've got their own damn convention here. 
<laughs> we were looking for AIDS with these moisture injectors. So I ran into Lloyd Weaver and I ran into Cliff Zlotnick. And Cliff had thermal fogging, which was different than my Crown 999. And Crown 999, we used to ruin half the stuff I deodorized. Uh, so what we did is we told the insurance company, we saved 50% of everything we deodorized. This is great. The new technology. <laughs> In Q1, quarter one of 2019, Mark Springer, um, then president of Dayspring Restoration out of Montana, a restorer out of Montana who um, became the president of the Restoration Industry Association, he noted uh, we call it the manifesto, affectionately call it the manifesto, but um, the article was titled Our Greatest Need, and he outlined seven action steps with, which have become the AGA committee blueprint. Number one, create an RAA Advocacy and Government Affairs Committee, the AGA. Prior, number two, prioritization of issues and solicitation of member feedback. Number three, develop position papers and position statements. Four, hire a restoration advocate. Five, monitor issues, advocate for positions, build coalitions. Six, inform and engage membership. Seven, hire a restoration lobbyist. So number seven, uh, for me personally, is the most intriguing and probably the most needed, but also the longest term, right? The one that's going to require the most amount of resources and those kinds of things. But I just want you to hear a little bit from our prior conversation with Mark Springer about some of the background leading up to the article and, and what has been transpiring with the AGA. Supposing there's maybe somebody that doesn't know, and we do run into people. Um, I, I think you have been honest in kind of confronting that. Like RA has been for the long time the biggest and the best position to really maybe kind of try to swing its efforts towards advocacy. Um, I mean, we have had an incredible, incredible amount of buy-in across the industry. Yeah. And really within RIA's leadership group uh, to drive this forward. I mean, I'm, I am so incredibly humbled yeah. by how so many people have really found that this nerve that we all feel uh, has been hit and have said, this is something that we all believe um, could change and could impact our industry. And, and, and it's incredible how many people have jumped into this, have taken their time and their resources um, to advance something that uh, can really make a better world for all of us. And I mean, you're, you're totally right, uh, John. I mean, trade associations are only as good as the volunteers that are, that are driving them. And um, it's hard in a trade association to, to have a um, really a compelling purpose that we're, we're trying to advance. And, and it's easy to get distracted because volunteers only have so much time. I mean, right. everyone's running businesses. Right. And, and, and I think one of RIA's challenges historically is that there's a sense of us being overwhelmed. It's like, where do we even begin? Yeah. And how do we, how do we eat this elephant of, 
you know, all these issues where contractors' voice has not been heard. Yeah. And really the underlying premise for this AG effort, which AG effort, which stands for Advocacy and Government Affairs, is that the restoration company needs to, or restoration company, restoration industry needs to first unify around the most important issues that we face as an industry. And we need to have a voice for the interests that we need to have represented so yeah. that this industry is sustained in the future. Yeah. So, yeah. so really the big things are unity um, and then voice and sustainability, those, those three pieces. This is an ad break of sorts, uh, a short clip of some of the content we covered on the last episode of the Diojo podcast, centered around four exactimate uh, estimating approaches on just a real brief level, talking about uh, using drywall repair, which is an area where a lot of people express some issues uh, making profitable margins. And so... There's a short clip. If you're interested in this topic, uh, please listen or watch the last episode of the Diojo podcast just to get an idea of the value we bring to the industry. People want to complain about Xactimate. Xactimate. It's terrible. But if we're if we're just punching in this common square foot item, we're not reading the line item. We're not getting input from other people who use the program effectively. You know, then yeah, we're going to be $147. If this were the only room, I can't send somebody there for $147 and you'd be right. You know, I can't even send them there for $186. And of course, with uh, Restoration Technical Institute. Better claims outcomes through better mindset and habits for estimating insurance claims and out of that course there'll be uh, a book to accompany the course so if you're keeping track our common square foot drywall estimate is 147.20 our common linear foot drywall repair estimate is 202.08 and the current program one that we just did was 301.16 so even program work sometimes beats some of y'all <laughs> writing crappy estimates. What you're doing is terrific. This yeah. outlet, the Diojo podcast. podcast, folks should be listening to you. I've had conversations from time to time, and it's something that I wrestle with as well. But you know, thinking about what does change in the industry look like. Um, and I, one one analogy I think that I think of is you're at the beginning of the year, you want to lose some weight, you want to get healthier, right? You start to change your eating habits, your mindset and your habits around eating, maybe your mindset and habits around exercising. And there's, there's always that period of time where you're hoping um, to see more results than you've gotten and, and maybe a little bit disappointed, but, um, you know, the right things are happening. You're thinking and doing better around food. You're thinking and doing better around physical activity. And so even though the scales may not be showing or it may not look like um, there's progress, you know, it's, it's being made. And so the same thing for the industry, which would be the same thing for your company, you may have a long list of issues if you sit down with your team and say, what do we got to fix? Well, we got to fix all of it, right? But it's very healthy 
to try to then identify those key things, right? Maybe you've got long-term objectives and you've got short-term objectives. You've got the ones that you need to accomplish immediately or else there could be issues such as cash flow, right? Um, and, and you start to make progress on those. And sometimes you tackle the low-hanging fruit first, you know, those easiest tasks to get some momentum. And then other times, you know, maybe it's long-term and um, time-sensitive, so you got to get to work on it right away. And so there's hours and hours. Uh, now that I've been involved in some of those things, um, you know, our company is involved uh, invested, you know, financially and with our time and our resources and, and trying to do that on the local level with a local networking group. Um, I was very encouraged, again, uh, RIA is following up with regional focus groups, which we're trying to help with, and then obviously on the national level um, and the big ticket items. But, you know, I would if, if you're tempted to think, you know, well, w what good's a position paper? It's like, well, where else has a group been able to um, identify state um, issues that are a point of focus and then make progress on them and provide the membership with resources to, to tackle that? So um, I think those are key indicators of a healthy approach, a sustainable approach, and, and putting tools in the hands of everyday restorers, whether you're, you know, the mom and pop shop or, or a large entity. And biting this elephant and, and attacking it one bite at a time. So first of all, it was in the estimating platforms. Yep. And then second of all, in the area of the third party consultants. And then now where we're stepping into is in the area of third party administrators. So there's so much what I call low hanging fruit there, yeah. where we as the property restoration industry, um, can come up with really precise and peer-reviewed positions that are then advocated for on our behalf to these other stakeholders in the industry. RAA did a good job um, <clears throat> in communicating, uh, bringing up everyday restorers that had used position papers and some of the ways that had helped them. And I know we had some discussions you know, in the after hours with other people, you know, and how they're addressing them. But it is a powerful thing to be able to say, you know, so for so often adjusters, one of their tools, like Ed's saying, is using contractors against other contractors, whether it's a straw man and something that actually exists or, um, you know, or just, you know, just ver verbiage. But having the, the document, and I can say from the pricing side, I know there have been conversations with Exactware, now Verisk, and Symbility. Uh, I know Ben Justison asked from the stage, you know, there's not as many white papers or things to dig into, you know, that Exactware has produced. And uh, Mike Fulton, Greg Pine, Verisk had a booth at the event so people could, you know, everyday restorers, whether you're big shot or, or, or uh, a little guy, you know, just getting your start out. Um, you could have conversations with um, these entities. This was a conversation April 16th, 2020, with Mike Fulton speaking to the Restoration Industry Association virtual conference. Um, <clears throat> and his comments on how Xactimate is being used are interesting as well. To its intent, 
unfortunately, while it's interesting, it's it's really not surprising. Uh, it, it first of all, it really doesn't fit in with the way in which the application was intended to be used, and and I frankly don't believe it fits in with the understanding of how the application should be used or is directed to be used, at least amongst the senior leadership within the insurance carrier organizations that I speak to. I've had discussions with them most recently on that uh, and have been able to confirm that. The That's interesting. Mike Fulton, CEO of Exactware, is saying uh, conversations he's having with the top-level brass at various carriers um, <clears throat> don't necessarily, whether they're unaware you know, as stated, they don't agree with the way sometimes Xactimate is maybe being weaponized against the contractor. That would be my interpretation and my opinion only. Uh, but watch the whole video. What every property restoration insurance adjuster needs to understand about Xactimate. These are conversations being facilitated by RIA. You know, the vision of Mark Springer, the efforts of Ed Cross, um, Katie Smith, and, and many, many others. Ben Justison, I know, has been involved. I know Watley, as mentioned, was on stage, and, and their organization, um, Actual Insights, has been involved in conversations. And, uh, <clears throat> and later we'll play a clip from Michelle Blevins talking recently to Mike Fulton. And so, uh, and they talk about the claims ecosystem, you know, uh, th th this being something sustainable for all. Accurate or the right price uh, is not something that's global in nature. It's it's really specific to the job. It's, it's based upon the location, the accessibility, the conditions, the consumer or the customer, and frankly, what your company uh, is dealing with and, and your needs are with regard to overheads, target margins, et cetera. And really the accurate price for any job is is something that's between the buyer and seller. Our goal has been historically to provide you, you and frankly, the insurance adjuster with the appropriate information that can help you in determining or landing on the right price for a specific job. My only sense really in relation to the comments such as you received and forwarded to me is that there are clearly some individuals who are really choosing to abdicate their role in that discussion, as well as unfortunately someone who really doesn't understand the insurance policy contract under which they're bound. I really do believe it's a localized issue, meaning mm -hmm. while it may be being localized in many locations, I don't believe that model is sanctioned at the corporate level by insurers. That's interesting. It's an interesting input. I think it's important. We talk about the restoration triangle, a term we learned from <coughs> Pete Consigli. But, you know, we're part, contractors are part of that conversation, but we don't dictate. So Ed Cross is, is shown here on screen. Arbitrary and capricious is like a legal term as juxtaposed against fair and customary or reasonable. And an adjuster or a claims representative should not be able to deny a scope item. We should get away from just line items. Well, line item this, line item that. No, can you justify the scope? So... An adjuster shouldn't be able to deny a scope item arbitrarily just because they say so. They're dictated by the policy. Their role is to dig into and interpret the policy as it relates to the damages and the mitigation and repairs. And that's not a line necessarily that contractors should be crossing over into. Um, but a contractor, on the other hand, should not be able to arbitrarily say, this scope item is required, you know, because there's a line item, you know, it's, it, we can't have it both ways where we, 
can't tell them they can deny us based on Xactimate and then we get it approved based on Xactimate. Again, it's a pricing tool, a, a, a scope communication tool. I view it as it's a common language, right? So as much as it creates a common language, there's a benefit there. But our, our argument should not be arbitrary and capricious from the, the adjuster looking into the policy or us looking into the conditions of the site and saying, as contractors, this is what we need to do in order to restore this property to its pre-loss conditions with like kind and materials. Materials of like kind and quality. This was a big win for the restoration industry. Exactware has pointed out that the right price is to be based on what a willing buyer would pay a willing seller based on the specific circumstances of that particular job. Section 9 of the Xactimate License Agreement applies to insurance companies as well as contractors. Section 9 makes it clear that users of Xactimate are responsible to ensure that an estimate includes prices that are consistent with actual costs for material, equipment, and labor. It states that the Xactimate user agrees not to preclude deviations from Xactimate prices where the contractor's requirements, market conditions, demand, or other circumstances warrant deviation from the price. Section 9 of the license agreement states that the Xactimate prices are historical information to be used as a baseline to begin creation of an estimate. Unless a contractor has agreed to program pricing, an insurance company that insists on a one-size-fits-all pricing model violates the contract of insurance and violates Section 9 of the Xactware License Agreement. Please join the movement of the Advocacy and Government Affairs Committee of the Restoration Industry Association. Thank you. Good stuff. I mean, and that's, that's captured in a position paper as well on, on deviations from standardized pricing. So... The tools are out there. Again, the consensus is being built, the collaboration is being made, and, and people are spearheading those. But there's a lot um, of work that goes on behind the scenes from contractors uh, like yourselves. You know, So time is needed. If you don't have time, money is needed. Um, you know, if, if you're interested, you know, ask about joining a committee or, or being involved or reach out to somebody that is involved and, and find out more about what's going on, uh, both um, the resources available and behind the scenes. <clears throat> All right, damn it, I'm in. <laughs> I couldn't do it without you. For some, there may be some disconnect or a time warp there, but I remember... Uh, 2020, the um, RAA convention was going to be my first in a long while, like I mentioned, since 2005. It was in Louisiana, New Orleans. My wife was excited. We were excited to go together. And then, of course, uh, COVID happened, and that um, you know affected that um, opportunity. But there's still been a lot of great work going on behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, in all of the scenes in between. <laughs> and so uh, there's kind of a view of some of what, what the momentum building in 2019 and 2020 leading up to what occurred on stage at the uh, Restoration Industry Association Convention in 2022 in Reno, the Nevada, the Vegas of North Nevada. <laughs> and here from the stage, uh, Watley facilitated a conversation with uh, Mike Fulton from Exactware, 
and Ben Justison talked to the representatives from Symbility, uh, CoreLogic, and so um, you know positive conversations happening that help move uh, the ball forward. And uh, I can't. I think it was Mark Springer that said, you know, you have Greg Pine who works at Exactware and Pricing and Ed Cross sitting right next to each other, and and how far we've come. You know that no one has to sit in between them. If you haven't seen the um, the Bill Loveland uh, video, uh, let's bring that up. Chargers in the audience who say they're not allowed to charge for something by the insurance industry until you put an item in for it. Consider the value that Ed brings to the table. That was beautiful. That's what everybody wants to say, right? Much of what we talk about in my first book, Be Intentional Estimating. This book, John, it, it gave me it gave me an inspiration. Dang. It is a playbook in how you can progress on. I, I saw this book on Amazon. There's nothing like it out there. Dang. Is um, the idea that we have these issues, obviously in that book, around estimating or project outcomes, right? Whether, whether we can have profitable project outcomes using Xactimate. And one interesting fact that came out of that conversation with uh, Bill Loveland, and you can look that up, Ed Cross, Bill Loveland, it was an RAA event. Um, <clears throat> and he talks about how his family, their background was in contracting, and they wanted to develop a tool that was better than the current one. And I, I, I strongly challenge you, a lot of the contractors we talk to that want to get away from using Xactimate, which is not wrong. Like, do what works for your company. But they end up developing their own unit pricing in a spreadsheet or in QuickBooks that doesn't update. Um, and it's, so it's a similar structure, but without some of the benefits. And especially if there are any new contractors listening, there's a lot of talk about how Xactimate is terrible, but... If you're not sure about your pricing, say you're going from a carpenter to now you own your own business or a technician to now owning your own business, having, remember, this is at the core of it, it's a spreadsheet that has unit pricing. So if you put a sketch in, say there are rooms 12 by 12, right? So, you know, you got 12 by 12 minus the door. If you had flood cuts in that whole room, you know, you can do a PF calculation that's perimeter foot times two, and that's going to give you um, your drywall, your insulation, you can derive your linear foot measurements for baseboard, um, you can get your paint calculations, you know, if you're painting two walls, one wall. So the tool has a lot of advantages. I think you have to give credit where credit's due. Unit pricing is not the issue. There's there's many industries that deal with that and, and are, you know, potentially more stringent than ours, but it's a baseline and a lot of it Ben Justison has been you know talking about this a lot actionable insights you know it's a tool that's designed to be customizable um, and and so you know if you're not learning how to use the tool brought this up before you know if if you can't drive a nail if your carpenter can't drive a nail with their hammer do you allow them to blame the tool and say well we'll just go to Lowe's and get you a different hammer then you know so there's some element to that where it's learning to use the tool 
and use it properly, use it effectively. But especially if you're starting out, there's there's some great tools. Loveland uh, ruffled some feathers by saying, you know, if you can't uh, negotiate with an adjuster, then I wonder how good of a contractor you are. I'm paraphrasing. Don't get riled up. Don't don't send your hate mail. But there's an element in which he's right, uh, and Ed very to the point and graciously brings up, you know, exactly the, the clip that we played. Some of the feedback is, well, if the standardized pricing doesn't reflect or that line item's not there, then it's not, cus- you know, fair and customary, you know, or reasonable pricing. And so there's, you know, exact where plays a role in that. Some great questions were asked, have been being asked for some time now. And, um, you know, Xactimate, Xactware, now Verisk, is, has been playing ball to a degree. I think, um, you know, contractors have, it's an ecosystem, right? So it's not just pointing your finger at one party, but, you know, accepting responsibility, giving the feedback, holding their feet to the fire, um, you know, which as a unified voice, I believe is more effective than just, you know, you, I, I run a small restoration company in Puyallup, Washington. Where's Puyallup? It's uh, east of Tacoma. Where's Tacoma? It's south of Seattle. So, you know, I, I know a lot of you who aren't from the Northwest just think Washington's all the Seattle hippies, and it's true. It's true to a point. <laughs> but when we combine, you know, the voice of, of little contractors, big contractors, and everybody in between, you know, it, it, it becomes more effective. As a business owner, Gordy, you feel like you got the value of stepping away from your business. Always a return on investment when you come here. The education I get here, I'm able to take back to my office. There is a return on investment. Um, just last year alone, we were able to increase our um, revenue by about, I think it was 18%, just by attending a conference. You're fairly new to RIA, right? Within the last two, three years? Last two years, yeah. Yeah. And even specializing in bio, you feel like it's it's of immediate value to your company? Even though the majority of the RAs, um, fire, water, mold, yeah, yeah there's, there's yeah. concepts yeah, and practices you know, that Gordy, I can bring back. A lot of these restoration guys will do some of this bio, do that cleanup, mm-hmm. but it, it's they, they don't specialize just in that. It's part of like the line items and things they do. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm talking about with the technical stuff, because guys who are in that business, they probably want more technical things and have sessions on there. Well, what are the best practices? What changes are coming down the pike? How's OSHA going to affect this? You know, Pete, you know he developed a class, just ran his first class on uh, bio, primarily on the invoicing, invoicing right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No, well, get, that's important too. Yeah, trying to get everybody on the same page with trauma invoice because right. if it's fire, water, mold, whether you're in Indianapolis, Clearwater, or Reno, the, the line item verbiage is the same. It's going to be, if you're not doing Xactimate, you're pulling the verbiage from Xactimate to your individual. With trauma invoicing, a lot of people have been trying to create the best language. And the language they're using is not being backed up by ANSI, um, ICRC, or what the RA has in place. What about OSHA? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's OSHA's impacted in there too. Remote, yeah, right? yeah. To where you know, the, the line items I, I produce that I've shared with other companies, if we can get everybody using the same language for trauma, all ships are going to rise from the time everybody's going to walk away. Yeah, well, I agree with that. I apologize for the rough audio that was uh, shot with my um, <clears throat> my GoPro. I had some external microphones, but um, for whatever reason, there's some compatibility issues there. So 
um, wanted to give some senses of the background had some conversations there that we posted on Facebook Live um, and, and some others that we shot with the GoPro that uh, the audio, audio quality, unfortunately, I don't think is going to be good enough for um, what we're trying to accomplish. So, I don't know where I learned more behind these doors behind me or at the table with you. With well, all the people I, you bring. I don't know about that with it's, me, oh, yes. It, it's always the conversation, <laughs> the hallways, the bars, the going out to this, this that, relationship. All, all, yeah. all the association do in general is they provide a big umbrella or a big tent for people to come to and to network and but it starts with education first you have to have good education mm -hmm. education will bring people to event yeah. to there they develop relationships where they can um, uh, you know have the private conversations if you would and learn and, you know make lifelong friends in the industry i mean but that's not exclusive to our industry i mean all yeah. associations all industries have yeah. associations where they do that if you've been listening to the podcast or following my content for any period of time, I'm sure you're aware of this yellow book. So You Want to Be a Project Manager, my third book. It's available in Kindle, paperback, and hardback through Amazon. <clears throat> it's also something encouraged. I've been very encouraged. Several companies and managers have reached out about um, buying them in bulk for their project management teams. Um the book is about the mindset and habits for growth, and that targets, I think, three key areas. The aspiring professional who's looking to what does it take to progress into the roles and responsibilities of something like project management. Also, new managers that are maybe managing other project managers or other staff we talk a lot about not just the skill set of a project manager, the technical skill set, but the people skills. And then um, for owners who are trying to develop um, some clarity and consistency and accountability in their processes. Um, so I think those three groups will gain some value from the book. I have the pleasure this week of uh, zooming in for a call for a group that bought the book for um, all of their project managers and so hopefully we'll provide some additional encouragement to them um, if you've been in the industry if 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 you're an entrepreneur a lot of the principles will be echoing what you're trying to teach your teams and maybe give you some ideas and so i think you'll find it to be helpful but um uh i thankful i am very thankful to pete consigli he uh, reached out to R Professor Randy Rapp from Purdue University, who also wrote a book on project management. My book is more mindset and habits. Uh, it has some technical aspects to it. His book is a how-to, um, especially as it relates to project management and disaster recovery. And um, so he shares from his wealth of knowledge in, in the opening to, to my book, So You Want to Be a Project Manager. But here's a short clip of the conversation we had recently with Professor Randy Rapp on some four timeless principles for project managers that I think you'll find to be helpful. When you think about it, those four yeah. things covers a lot. Initiative, agility, depth, and synchronization. Initiative, agility, depth and synchronization. We all need a, a, a little something that we can kind of remember to yeah. help guide us. And for me, this has worked. It covers a lot. We got Randy Rapp, the disaster recovery project management, bringing order from chaos. I love the subtitle. Yeah. Yeah. When the poop hits a fan, right? That you, okay. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now, what have I done? What do I need to do? Yep. Hmm. Yep. yep. 
those of you that are familiar yes. with our book, they, uh, Randy and Pete Consigli wrote the foreword. It covers a lot. So thank you for contributing to that as well. It was a pleasure, John. The Diojo Podcast. Podcast. Initiative, agility, depth, and synchronization. These were the four things that we would hammer on, the imperatives for success. And this is available on the Purdue University Press. Um, right. Amazon offers it too. Yep, yep. It covers a lot. For those of you who may have objected to the RIA based on the membership pricing being too expensive for the little guy, uh, that voice has been heard, <clears throat> and they've they launched new membership pricing. I believe there's a big discount for the first year of membership. It's something where you can um, pay it over monthly payments instead of just an annual. Um, you know, like like we touched on, ongoing discussions with Exactware and Symbility um, and, and their representatives, um, and and they're coming to the event. You know, they know that it's. Uh, Maybe not the uh, most agreeable room, and um, but they're they're coming and and big big wigs, right? You know the CEO, the director of pricing. Um, you know they're they're coming to the events to to have conversations. We've got the additional position papers. I think the most recent one we discussed was on new construction pricing. It's a full gut on the inside. The Exactly white paper said. Some of this maybe fall under new construction. Just because Exactware has a setting does not mean that they're promoting the use of it. I would never use that pricing myself for anything except for ground up builds. Bottom line on new construction, what, what do people need to know about the position statement for the new construction? And how that's designed to help the everyday restore. In the first point, it talks about how it differs substantially from new construction and it goes through quite a few uh, examples. We're just giving some of the very common, understandable things that everybody would know. Um, they mentioned that uh, there's ongoing conversations about overhead and profit and supervisory. I know those in our business, those are big, big items, right? Um, getting, getting a better understanding. Again, We'll touch on once more that the overhead and profit added to the end of the estimate is a a markup. It's a 10 and 10 markup. It's not reflective of what your actual overhead or your actual profit are. And it's a very odd way of presenting that. Um, it doesn't reflect how the insurance company accounts for their overhead and profit, nor most businesses Um and it creates a lot of confusion with customers as well, you know, and even even managers in the business. And so, um, you know, that's a ongoing discussion about the best way to uh, approach that topic and advocate for restorers. Uh, Speaking of interesting conversations, here's Mike Fulton, CEO of Veris Property Estimating Solutions, formerly Exactware, talking to our good friend Michelle Blevins the publisher of CNR Magazine. She asks a great question, and uh, he gives an interesting and insightful answer. Okay. So what's Xactor's overall feeling on 10 and 10, especially on smaller jobs and contractors trying to use 10 and 10? 10 and 10 is, is one that I personally think we, sh we need to work through, because what happens is it's this ceiling that... Work through because it's a ceiling? Oh, <laughs> Preach, Mike. 
that's been put as this the standard in the industry and people have got to make an appropriate profit to be able to reinvest in their business. Okay. That's again, Mike Fulton, CEO of Exactware, um, going on record sharing that, you know, contractors need to make a reasonable, healthy profit. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong. It appears that he's questioning and open to possibly a variable, O and P, so that 10 and 10 should not be the goal, should not be the ceiling, but uh, maybe at some point it served an appropriate marker, uh, but but it may have outlived its purpose in that particular fashion. And what happens is if you can't put things, 10 and 10, if you think of 10% profit and then 10% overhead, and, and that overhead should be what we would call general overhead expenses. So if I'm going out on a job, it's it's the cost for my rent uh, at my place uh, and my trucks and things of that nature. Anything I can't attribute to a specific job, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm going to put job-specific overhead in the cost of, of repairing Michelle's home. And that's, you know, sometimes the gas to get out to your house and the tools and things like that that I expend. But, you know, my marketing expense, things of that nature, training expense for my people, even mobile phones, I'm paying a monthly fee for those things that really fall under the heading of general overhead. Because you're held to this ceiling of 10%, they creep into the job-specific overhead. So they start creeping into the unit prices. Uh, and we saw it years ago when many in the industry said, we're not going to pay overhead and profit on cleaning or water mitigation. Well, you know, you, you push down here and what comes up over here is the individual rates to, to clean a thing uh, goes up. So I think you've got to be, again, flexible with those. I think if if we could come together as an industry and, and really decide what is appropriate, that I think we'd be much better off. I, in the end, it doesn't mean that more money is being spent. It just means that it's being accounted for in the right the right columns. Yeah, I liked your analogy of push down. Put, yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. Um, one thing, uh, there's another TPA survey <gasps> program work. Those that you of you that perform program work, um, you know, so the input from contractors, whether you're an RA member or not. Uh, also, like I mentioned, the regional focus groups. You know, most trade associations. I'll 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 pick this. Uh, point of contention, you know, normally you have some kind of annual, you know, national event, you usually have maybe quarterly regional events, and then monthly um, local events, you know, so that way, you know, information trickles from the local level upwards and vice versa. And um, so as restorers, the REA is doing a good job of trying to monitor things at a local level, I know there there was some issues last year um, that popped up in in several states that they were on top of, and that's restorers getting that information upstream, and then having the resources to both work locally, regionally, and at a national level. Um, so, uh, and, and that brings up the final point, you know, about lobbying, which you know it could be one of those things that makes you think, but. So for me personally, you know, I I don't know how many of you are involved in business development or maybe starting a new company. Well, when you get out there and you're trying to market your services, um, facilities managers are a source, right? So you got IFMA, the International Facilities Managers Association. Um, they've got advocacy and legislation is 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 a keystone. 
Um, you know, they're trying to stay up to date with what's coming down. Even in my state, Washington, there's a small association called WAMOA for school operations managers, maintenance, and janitorial. And even they have an ad advocacy wing. They have somebody that goes down to the state capitol, <laughs> you know, and listens in, uh, provides updates to each of the chapters, and, um, you know, just makes sure people are informed so they know how to vote and what's coming down the pipe and those kinds of things that are going to affect, the, uh, you know, what, what the participants, the members do. So while it's many have commented that it's a long shot, you know, especially on the lobbying side, We've got to admit that we're behind. That's part of the problem, uh, which is something RIA is taking head on, and it's been encouraging to hear, you know, Michael Dakduk and the um, IICRC uh, say that they're um, collaborating with the RIA and uh, making advocacy a, um, you know, a, a point of emphasis for them as well, even though um, maybe attacking it from different points. All right, damn it, I'm in. Overall, I hope uh, this conversation has been helpful, maybe helping you see a little bit of what goes on uh, behind the scenes at an RAA convention if you're on the fence, um, hearing about some of the things that, uh, that are being done for all restorers, even, we're going to address that in just a minute, even for the program vendors, <gasps> the vendors who do TPA work, uh, preferred vendor work, um, you know, it's getting a little testy when people want to talk about doing that. People definitely like to cast certain things in a certain light and, and, and paint with a broad brush. And, uh, you know, there's many contractors who have built their business on program work. And, um, you know, there's a place for everybody at the table. I share some of my story. I, I feel, again, a small restoration contractor out of Tacoma, Washington. I've worked for the big dogs, and I've worked for very little dogs. I've worked for myself, the littlest dog. Burk, burk. And, um, and uh, you know, had to shut a business down in the middle of the Great Recession back in 08, 09. Um, you know, that was not fun. We had you know, what, four young children and in a business that just dried up what felt like overnight. I was happy there was great representation from uh, Washington, my home state of Washington at the RIA, which is funny, a little bit. I want to uh, both applaud and, and maybe encourage uh, my Pacific Northwesterners. There's a lot of Idaho people, um, a lot of uh, there's quite a few Oregon people as well. But um, <laughs> uh, so it's funny because we have a, a small startup networking group here of contractors in in Washington, and many of the people involved in that are not members of RIA. And then I go to RIA and I run into people that I hardly talk to in Washington that um, are not members of our local group. So. Uh, pretty funny, but uh, you know we, we got love for all y'all. If you're a contractor, you have a voice, and and how much I, I think it's encouraging to be able to combine that voice with other people trying to do things the right way. Um, I, a, a 
common theme, something I shared with many people throughout the um, the event is uh, what Pete shared with Cliff on uh, Jeff Cross's show uh, for Clean Facts, uh, shared uh, contentious collaboration. And so there is no monolith. It's not all RIA contractors, you know, connect to the hive mindset and they all say and do the same things. But, uh, you know, everybody goes and tries to do what's right, does, you know, for their business. And, um, you know, there's, there's some give and take, right, when you're coming to consensus. So we'll give the last word to outgoing president of the RAA, Mark Springer, from our prior conversation on the DOJO podcast. Congrats to Katie Smith. I believe she said the fourth uh, female president of the association in its 76-year history. Uh, if you've met her, she's a firecracker, um, runs a restoration company in the Carolinas, and uh, and uh, um, is representative of you know, the generational uh, restorer, um, you know, knows what it's like to run the day-to-day -day operations and build a company. And um, so bringing that perspective and just bringing her professionalism to the table in um, carrying the mission forward. So that's going to be exciting to see. We have our, our, our uh, restoration advocate, Ed Cross. You've probably seen his stuff out in the industry. Ed is a gift to this industry. Yeah. And we have a guy here, RIA has a guy that's going even to people. I mean, people who are not RIA members are even benefiting now. Yeah. Because yeah. the third party administrators, they, they weren't hearing from the industry at large. Right. Now, for the first time, they're hearing from the industry at large. And not that every, you know, again, my company doesn't do TPA work, but I know how that impacts this industry. And by having a voice and having credible positions that are being advocated for by our advocate, not by a restoration company who's worried I'm going to get blackballed or I'm going to get hassled if I if I try to make the this case. As yeah. an industry, we're doing that now. Yeah, and, and that's the first time this stuff started to happen. And I'm just I'm so amazed at how this whole industry is just pulled together yeah. around this concept, and people have spent thousands of hours of volunteer time to develop these statements and then advance them. It's an incredible time yeah. to be in this industry and to see what's starting to happen. Yeah. Well, and, and realizing we're playing from behind, right? So we need at this point, uh, unity in the industry. Yeah. We need collaboration in the yeah. industry and, and, and that's how we can improve uh, the sustainability in the future of this industry. Well, and like you've shown with AGA and even with the FLS, like people don't have to give up their opinions, right? But you have to, you do have to have a little bit of a the bigger picture. What totally. are we gaining ground on? All right, damn it, I'm in. <laughs> I couldn't do it without you. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard.